the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back and happy Friday, October 23rd, 2020. Reflections on current contentions. Item. It's hard to overstate the import of the announcement today that President Trump has brokered yet another Middle East peace deal. This is the third this year, and it may be the most consequential, the Sudan. The Sudan was the heart of darkness in the Arab Islamist world. It was the center of terrorist training camps. It was the home of Osama bin Laden. The PLO murdered the U.S. ambassador to the Sudan. And Sudan's capital, Khartoum, was the city of the famous Three Nose. We discussed those once before. It was in 1967 in Khartoum, where the Arab League met to announce no peace with Israel, no recognition of Israel, no negotiations with Israel. President Trump and Benjamin Netanyahu have now turned that into the three yeses. This is a monumental achievement. If any other president did this, it would be worthy of a Nobel Peace Prize. But then again, the Nobel Committee has so diminished itself, I'm just as happy to see no prize from there. Item. Don't count me among the analysts who think Kristen Welker was an amazingly fair moderator last night. Early on, about 10 minutes into the debate, Donald Trump was answering a question about the pandemic in young people and rattled off a few stats, ultimately saying 99.9% of young people recover. Then, Kristen Welker, on her way to going to Joe Biden for response, interjected and said, quote, and of course the CDC has said young people can get sick with COVID-19 and can pass it, close quote. Wait, whoa, why was that her business to say? Was she a participant in the debate? Was her job to add statistics to full and complete answers as rejoinders to the candidates as she transitioned and teed that rejoinder up for the candidate's response? I mean, she could have just as easily said, and of course, according to the CDC, young people are five one-hundredths of a percent of the fatalities from or with COVID, numbering 108 out of over 200,000. Or she could have said, And of course, according to the CDC, older adults constitute 78% of the fatalities from or with COVID. Or she could have said, and of course, according to the journal Pediatrics, children rarely transmit COVID. She could have transferred over to Joe Biden with anything like that, but no, she had to add a disputed statement, a disputed statement in transferring over to Joe Biden. Or she could have said nothing, but what she did has a word. It's called getting in the last word, not her job. And she did it poorly. Consider, after Joe Biden denied saying he supported banning fracking, did she transfer a question over to Donald Trump saying, and of course there's a fair amount of type showing otherwise. Okay, that might have been too obvious, but how about when Joe Biden answered, quote, because we had a Republican Congress to the question why he didn't do prison reform while he was in office. Why didn't Ms. Walker say, and of course you had a Democratic Senate and Congress for several years when you were vice president. That actually would have been accurate and not loaded, unlike what she said about children being able to acquire and transmit the virus. Oh, and did she ask a single question about the Hunter Biden scandal? No. Item. I called it the Hunter Biden scandal. That's wrong. 
It's the Joe Biden scandal. Quoting from James Freeman of the Wall Street Journal, Michael Goodwin reports Tony Bobulinski appears to confirm that contrary to his denials, Joe Biden was involved with his son Hunter's business, and it was not a business in which a future president ought to be involved. The Bobulinski statement published by The Post reads in part, I am the CEO of Sinohawk Holdings, which was a partnership between the Chinese operating through CEFC Chairman Yi and the Biden family. I was brought into the company to be the CEO by James Gilliar and Hunter Biden. The reference to the big guy in the much publicized 2017 email, May 13, 2017 email is in fact a reference to Joe Biden. The other JB referenced in that email is Jim Biden, Joe's brother. Hunter Biden called his dad the big guy or my chairman and frequently referenced asking him for his sign-off or advice on various potential deals that we were discussing. I've seen Vice President Biden saying he never talked to Hunter about his business. I've seen firsthand that that's not true because it wasn't just Hunter's business. They said they were putting the Biden family name and its legacy on the line. I realized the Chinese were not really focused on a healthy financial return on investment. They were looking at this as a political or influence investment. The Biden family aggressively leveraged the Biden family name to make millions of dollars from foreign entities, even though some were from communist-controlled China. If it's true that Joe Biden was accepting influence payments, including from Chinese entities, then he should immediately quit the presidential race. Item. Ted Van Dyke, a prominent Democrat and author, writes the following in the Wall Street Journal today, quote, Major Democratic leaders and many in the media have characterized President Trump as relying on a political base of white supremacists, gun nuts, religious extremists, and other deplorables, to use Hillary Clinton's term. To the contrary, he was elected and sustained by a broad coalition of voters who were simply fed up with establishmentarian candidates and policies. Mr. Trump's ascension, coupled with the Democrats' near nomination of Senator Bernie Sanders, represented a vote for discontinuity. Contrary to his depictions by critics, Mr. Trump has not been a would-be dictator or abuser of the Constitution. Mr. Van Dyke continues in a piece titled, Can Biden Restrain His Party's Left? That over the four years of Donald's, Donald Trump's presidency, quote, I hoped my Democratic Party would rethink its own agenda to get straight with the moderate voters who had defected to Trump in 2016. But instead, its congressional leaders, abetted by many media figures, have focused on the president's alleged collusion with Russia, a one-party impeachment lacking a solid basis, judicial confirmation hearings resembling Jacobin street trials, and Mr. Trump's pre-presidential tax returns. The major notions floated over this period, a Green New Deal, a big new, big new benefits for multiple domestic constituencies, an emphasis on race, gender, and ethnicity, and policy formation, all have some serious substantive problems and are principally championed by vocal factions within the party. Add these, added to these have been dubious recent proposals to pack the Supreme Court and the filibuster in the Electoral College and admit two new Democratic-leaning states producing four new Democratic senators, close quote. Van Dyke's point, this won't work with the electorate. And yet, that is where we are. Well, not we, but the Democratic Party. And there's more, of course, but Mr. Van Dyke is right to flag those issues. This, among my six other reasons I gave in a monologue two Mondays ago, is why I remain optimistic. So let us continue to be 
operational pessimists while we remain theoretical optimists. I know that's the, reserve, the reverse of normal daily life, but heading into an election, I believe that is the right temperament for our dispositions. Operational pessimism, as if we're losing, but theoretical optimists knowing we are winning. Item. Outside of outside interference from Russia, China, and Iran, what happened to the issue of foreign policy and national security in this campaign? Was it ever addressed in the debates? No. I suppose that's a luxury of a great set of decisions by this president. When there's peace, we have the luxury of not worrying about foreign policy. But is it not an issue? We took ISIS off the field of battle. We took Qasem Soleimani off the field of battle. Started no new wars. Deployed no new forces in new countries. Is that not something to talk about? It was not our side, after all, that called ISIS junior varsity and allowed them to develop and metastasize. It was our side that put an end to it. It was not our side that overthrew the government of Libya and turned that into a miasma. It was not our side that made old allies nervous or shipped billions of dollars to terrorist regimes. It was our side that created a new space force. Item. I think these debates are ultimately at the same time meaningless and important. Important for viewers to get a true measure of the candidate as there are no teleprompters and they have to show what they can do on their feet. I think they are meaningless because even as of right now, circa 3.10 p.m., the day after the debate, it's already nearly forgotten and will be fully, fully forgotten by Monday. Hell, we moved so fast that I remind a week ago the issue was Amy Barrett. And yesterday, the Senate Judiciary Committee voted her recommendation to the full Senate. How much talk on that has there been? Or try this. Can you remember a single thing that was said at the Biden or Trump town halls a week and a night ago? Item. If CNN does not report it, did it happen? If the New York Times does not report it, does it happen? As of 2 p.m. and earlier all day, CNN's website says and said nothing about the Sudan peace deal with Israel, and neither did the, or does the New York Times website. It's as if Middle East peace is not important. Well, it's not anything if it didn't or doesn't happen, right? It was in that old Kurt Vonnegut story, Harrison Bergeron, I, refer, I referenced it yesterday, that we were given the postulation of a handicapper general the officer assigned to scrambling people's thoughts so that they would not have their wits or be able to remember anything important or think for themselves. What an interesting thing to consider. George Orwell and Kurt Vonnegut were not writing fiction. News to them, I suppose. News speak to us. And recall in his appendix to 1984, Orwell wrote the word freedom, quote, could not be used in its old sense of politically free or intellectually free, since political and intellectual freedom no longer existed, even as concepts, and were therefore of necessity nameless. Close quote. I honestly think our election is about all that, the meaning and preservation of the word freedom. It could disappear. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Well, that's a good start to a fun Friday. Little Eric Clapton. Let's do try and have a little bit of fun today. Uh, why wouldn't we? We're uh, on the surge here. We're on the upswing here. 
and uh, we're going to reelect this president in less than two weeks. So give us a call, 602-508-0960. Got a lot to do with you, but want to hear from you as well. Anything you heard from the debate that you think last night needs to be emphasized? Anything you want or suggest the president should do in the next 11 or so days to help solidify his acclivity? We, uh, from time to time, send up ideas to the campaign and to the White House. Let us uh, let us be your conduit if you have some good ideas. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Do we have time? Yes, we do. Let's go to Nick and surprise. Hi, Nick. Hey, Seth. How are you? Hi, Seth. How are you? I'm well, sir. How are you? Good. I wanted to. Uh, thanks for taking my call. By the way, I, I wanted to make a sure. note about Kristen Wel- Welker last night. Uh, I don't think it, we doubted that there was going to be an obvious bias in the way it was handled. But right. I think it was interesting to note that whenever President Trump would try to interject uh, a response to Joe Biden's uh, claims, she would give him only 10 seconds. And then she wouldn't even have to ask, uh, or Joe Biden wouldn't even have to ask. She would say, would you like to respond to that? Uh, I noticed that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was over and over. I mean, it was... And she would only give him 10 seconds. 10 seconds, that's it, you know. I noticed that. I also noticed um, that Donald Trump, he didn't push it very heavily, but he gave her a couple opportunities to tee up a question about Hunter and Joe, and she just never really wanted to do I, I am continually surprised that the media doesn't want to try and save a little bit, just a little bit of face, and ask a direct question or at least a pen, even a you know even a penetrating question with a follow up about this uh, this scandal. I hate to call it an email scandal because it makes it sound like the scandal's about emails. So maybe I should just call it political corruption scandal. Uh, it's it's so odd to me that they refuse to ask Joe Biden about it. I get I get where they're coming from. They are the they have shown themselves to be the communications arm of the Democratic Party, but you would think they don't like being known as that, wouldn't you? You would think they would prefer to be known as somewhat fair or as at least somewhat balanced. They just don't. You're absolutely right, Nick. They just don't care anymore. They don't care. They think fair is to be hard on Trump and easy on Biden. That's their new definition of fair. That's the new news speak, if you will. Yes. What, well, thank are, you. Are, are, are you feeling good about going into this election, buddy? I honestly, my feeling is he's going to do it in a landslide again. I, I think we are repeating 2016 over again. And I, I, think, think, there, I think there are more people that want to vote for him this time than did last time. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. You know, one of the interesting things, thank you, Nick. One of the interesting things a friend of mine was saying um, to me, oh gosh, maybe three or four days ago, he said, um, back in 2016, before election night, no one was questioning the polls. No one was. He says, what's interesting now is people are kind of questioning the polls. They are kind of doubting them. And that's worth something, I think. And I think it's also worth something when you add up the surveys I've spoken about talking about the the numbers that the pollsters aren't picking up, whether I'm quoting 
from the Trafalgar Group or whether I'm quoting from John Zogby or whether I'm quoting from some of these other organizations I've cited. Maybe we'll run through that a bit again. But uh, 602-508-0960 is your number. Let's go to David in Phoenix. Hi, David. Hey, Seth. Hey, uh, remember in The Untouchables when uh, Sean Connery and Kevin Costner said, where are we going to find a good cop? Where are we going to find one? They had to actually go and find Andy Garcia. In the shooting gallery, right? In the uh, in, correct, Is that what you would call it? In correct. the target practice, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that segues into the Bobolinsky. So, uh, interestingly enough, Bobolinsky now, he stands up there. He's got his three cell phones. He's got all these emails to corroborate the Joe Biden. I'm calling it this, the Joe Biden scandal, because that's what it is. Yep. Shame on him for letting his son run this thing completely. But I will yep. say this. Bobolinsky... He's got the phones that are going to the FBI, but it's the same FBI that destroyed yeah. the Hillary Clinton materials. Yeah. It's the same FBI that sat on this material since December of 2019. Now, I will say this. Shame. There's a lot of great agents. We have a fantastic law enforcement. I support law enforcement. But the reality is that the concerns that everybody in America have right now, the concern is, Will the truth come forward? So I'm concerned. I'm uh, you should be. Where's Bill Barr? Where's no, you Bill should. Barr? You should be concerned. But let me put it. Let me. Let me say this, and I hope it doesn't upset you too much. Maybe you agree with me. Maybe you don't. Tell me. It, taking it to the FBI is one thing, and it's the appropriate thing and the right thing. And hope springs eternal for us that they'll do something. We wouldn't really expect them to do something in 11 days, though, would we? Um, it, really, this is an issue for the media more as an election matter. It's uh, because I'm not sure, and I, I'm looking forward to being corrected on this. I don't know if crimes were committed here. I don't know. There possibly are some nepotism issues. There possibly are some some foreign corrupt practice issues. I'm not well versed enough to know. But what I do find a little bit interesting, David, is in what I've read, and it's not as extensive as maybe what you've read, I've not read many commentators on our side citing actual criminality here. Do you follow me, or do you think I'm wrong? I might be wrong. I'm admitting I might be wrong. No, you're, you're, no, you're, you're correct. But, but the, 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 the realities that we, we know, and from the information, of course, it's hearsay at this point, but what, what we, we found out thus far is that there have been relationships that should not have occurred. Oh, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. That has not uh, occurred. And at no the question. end of the day, the end of the day, Joe's responsible. Absolutely. Joe's responsible. Absolutely. Well put. Well put. Oh, we're going out with this song because of what Joe said about getting rid of fossil fuels. Okay, the Dallas theme song, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. That song is itself a message to my producer, Bill. Bill, the point he's trying to make is that people are not tired of silly love songs. I know you tire of them, but, uh, you know, who knows more about what people want in music, you or Paul McCartney? Yeah, probably Paul. 602 Who am I going to next? Josh and Mesa. Hi, Josh. 
Hey, Seth. Thanks for having me on. Of course. How are you? For you. I'm sure. doing well. Thank you. Um, first question is, where is Hillary Clinton in all of this? Shouldn't she be pressing charges against Biden for infringing, for um, plagiarizing her system of enriching herself? <laughs> you raise actually a, an important question in that. Um, where is Hillary Clinton? Where is yeah. Hillary Clinton? Uh, is, is it a note to her from the DNC? Maybe sit this one out. You're not as popular as you thought you were. It's a funny thing. Yeah, At this time in a in campaign, front. you usually pull out all the stops. They've got right. Barack Obama going out. Where's Hillary Clinton if she's so popular? She's not so popular, I think, right? My second question, assuming Trump wins, please, please, Lord, um, do you think that that will have an effect on the mask madness? Will he do something from the federal side where my children can go to school without being treated like, you know, prisoners? Can you do me a favor? I, I got to I gotta ask you, because I was having this discussion with someone recently, and it was surprising to me. How, how long are we into this? May, June, July, August, September. Seven months, seven months into this. Um, it was surprising to me that this person had no concept of the kind of thing that was going on with youthful uh, depression, youth uh, mask shaming amongst families, between children, between friends. They had no uh, no concept of what's going on. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? I, I mean, I've been I've been talking about it for seven months. I thought a lot of people understood this. I'm surprised people still don't. Tell me a little bit about your situation. I'm surprised too. I when this all started, I thought that. You know, Americans at large, society would would stand up to such a thing, but instead, it's like it's like people I know in my neighborhood, at my church, you know, on down the line. It, it's like we've been doing this for for decades or something. Yeah. I don't understand yeah. it, but but there are those who stand up and and fight and and refuse and and say, hey, why do I gotta wear this? And I'm not gonna wear this. And most people are just afraid to. They don't want confrontation. So instead, they their kids send them off to school and they sit in these, I don't know, plastic boxes or something and wear masks and are taught that they have to stay away from other human beings or else they'll be in danger. I mean, I, yeah, just, I don't good. understand it's, it. It's just, it's just not healthy to the youth to instantiate fear no. like that. Um, but directly to answer your question, I don't know that the presidency, the president can do much with regard to masks, masks and mask policy. Um, this is why it's so curious that Joe Biden vacillates between talking about a federal mask mandate and then sometimes we'll say, well, only in federal buildings. He doesn't make it clear unless he's pushed on that. Because I don't know that there's a constitutional that it's consti- that there's that there's a constitutionality for the United States president to order such a thing having to do with territory that is usually reserved to the police and public health uh, avenues of the states and the localities. So I, I don't think the president can do much of it. Now, one thing that I have heard say is that the Department of Education 
can certainly issue guidelines. The U.S. Department of right. Education can certainly issue guidelines. I mean, I didn't picture him coming out and saying no one's yeah. allowed to wear a mask anywhere right. Right. ever again. But, I, I mean, right. there's got to be some kind of policy, as, uh, Department of Education-wise and so forth, that he can... Boy, they know, how to, on, they, right? they know how to make guidelines as they did when it came to, you know, bathrooms that boys and girls could share. They knew how to do that. They knew how to do that when Barack Obama was president. Matt, thank you. I appreciate, excuse me, Josh, I'm sorry. Thank you very much. Matt, you're up next. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602 this open line Friday. I was listening to that lyric talking about friends that spill their drink on you. My, um, my producer, Bill, was talking about the uh, delight in small victories, small personal victories, as today he said. I said, yeah, what, what would that be? And he said, um, well, as you know, I'm, I'm wearing a red shirt. And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, I spilled a little tomato on me. <laughs> and that's a, that's a victorious day for us, huh, Bill? Nobody will know, except now they know. The before they didn't know. Let's go to Matt in Phoenix. Hi, Matt. Seth? Yeah, my problem is, is the Democrats and specifically Pelosi dragging her feet on the relief packages, you know, the, the another unemployment increase and, you know, helping out the airlines. Until Tuesday, I worked for one of the largest flight schools in the nation. They had a uh, 50 people furlough on Tuesday. We've also canceled a $3 million aircraft order. So there's a lot of people that went from having a job and being secure in their future to all of a sudden scrambling to sell their trucks and cars and everything so they can uh, pay their mortgage. Well, first of all, let me say um, I'm sorry. That that really strikes me. And and Matt, I, I, I I am sorry. Let me ask you this. What's the sense at the company, what's the sense of your colleagues and friends of who's at fault for this? Well, it's right now it's strictly at the House because the Senate keeps, you know, giving them these packages and the House keeps wanting to put all their pork on it. Right now the airlines are suffering because of, of a virus. Well, if someone's afraid of a virus, stay home. To let the rest of us live. But our company took a big hit on account of that because a lot of our clients do come from overseas. Yeah, sure. But we, we do have a very large domestic contingent as well. And right sure. now, that's the only thing keeping the company afloat. But like I said, we just had 50 people let go, and unfortunately, I was one of them. It breaks my heart. It breaks and my heart. It, it really does. It, it, it really breaks my heart because it's so avoidable. It's so avoidable. Go on. I'm sorry. Keep talking. Well, at the beginning of this, you know, these people were getting $800 a week unemployment. You know, now the people that are really going to get hurt on this in the long term, you know, I may be lucky to get 180 which basically if I take every bit of my unemployment, I might be able to keep my house. Right. Might. But might. 
I won't be able to keep the lights on or anything right. else. Yeah, this was so avoidable. This is what is so disturbing to me. I mean, all all of it is so disturbing to yeah. me in the individual uh, cases. The majority, the majority of this has been politics. Yep. You know, yep. we are, as I said, we were one of the largest flight schools in the nation. We had zero cases of virus. Yeah, I was just going to say that I can't imagine this is something that really affected your industry at flight schools that much. I, I just can't imagine it would. It, right. it, it did, but long before they were mandating masks and anything else we were already doing that yeah of course you know everybody came in the building they got their temperature checked well if, if anyone would know safety it would be flight schools of course of course you're sensitive uh, the, the flight schools when they when the crews would go out to the airplane they went out there with handy wipes they were wiping the airplanes down themselves they were wearing masks in the airplanes i mean and we were doing all this long before they ever came out with all these mandates and as I yeah. said, out of our entire um, employee base and students, which was prior to this happening, was almost 600 students, we had zero cases. You know, the, um, the tragedy blended mixed with the hypocrisy of this is the party that wants to continually hamper businesses like the ones you're talking about, commerce, like what you're talking about, is the same party that wants to drag its feet for political gain, for political gain on getting the relief packages to and to, to these you know, Everybody at our, our company knows that. Good. And they they flat said if they get another you know government uh, loan guarantee, and the company qualifies, we will be back to work. But until then, you know, our futures are unknown. Have you ever heard I of was, the government? I was maybe one of the fortunate ones. Yeah, you might you have know, been. I, 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 I mean, I, I have never heard of a government self-imposing its own depression on itself. I've just never heard of it before until this year. Until this year. You know, I, I, I was fortunate that I finished an outside project and I – the funds that I had set aside for something else, well, now that's going to end up having to take me maybe through the end of the year. Yeah. After that, I don't know what I'm going to do. I understand. I do, I do, I do. It's a terrible thing that we've done to ourselves. And the word I keep yeah. coming back to is it was yeah. all of yeah, and, and what's that? I went through 9-11 in the aviation industry. I've actually been working in aviation in one form or another since I was, believe it or not, 12 years old. I'm 55 now, yeah. And I thought I thought 9/11 was bad. Yeah, yeah. You know, here here we are shooting our, ourselves in the foot and saying, "Is it better yet?" That's exactly right. We've cut off our foot. We've cut off our hand, our hands, and we're stabbing out our eyes. It's a different ethic from 20 years ago, isn't it? I remember George W. Bush. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, how much criticism he took at the time, but I remember he said it. Remember, remember what he said: "Do not shut down the economy. Go shopping." You remember? It was a different ethic. It was a different ethic. And turns out, we've had to learn the hard way that economy really means more than just money. It actually is what the Greek root of the word economos is, which is how you organize your household. That's what the economy stands for. And we have destroyed households. We have destroyed households.
for something that we don't have to do. I'm going to give you some numbers. They might make you more angry than not, Matt, but I'm compelled to do it, and I'll do it in the next segment. But I thank you for your call. Keep us. We'll keep you in our thoughts. You keep us updated, okay? Keep us updated on your situation. Thank you. No, that's fine. Do we have time to take uh, Robert before the break? Hello. All right. Robert? Yes. Hi. How are you? Welcome. I'm good. I can't tell you how thoroughly I enjoy uh, your show and um, to hear uh, your voice and, and uh, reason out there when there's so many voices of unreason. Well, you're awfully kind, Robert, and you paid me a compliment, and now I have to do something rude. I <laughs> take the hard break, but I'll come right back to you, sir. But really, your words mean a ton to me. Um, if you can keep your head about you when all are losing theirs, it's our task together. We'll do it together. Robert, I'll come right back to you. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Robert, thank you for your patience, sir. Very much appreciate you waiting. Robert in Phoenix. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, so a couple of thoughts. You were mentioning earlier about uh, whether there is criminal action um, as as far as uh, Hunter and, and Joe and uh, whether, whether or not there's criminality there still are some major concerns about being compromised. I mean, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Who yep. is uh, who's running the show when he's in charge or, or not in charge? And uh, it, it sure doesn't seem like the American people when he's going to be receiving monies uh, that might control his actions. Well, I think it's impeachable behavior. Um, if you were in mm -hmm. office when it happened, I think it's you don't need to have a statutory crime to be, have impeachable behavior. I, I think it's certainly that. Yeah, it's too bad that that uh, there there's not a way to to stop him before getting in uh, and that kind of thing. But the other, the only other thing that um, worries me a little bit is uh, seeing what's going to actually happen. Um, after the mail-in voting. I mean, they try and say we're fear-mongering, or excuse me, we, uh, President Trump is fear-mongering by bringing up the whole mail-in issues. Well, there's total potential for fraud. Yeah, think about, think about it this way, Robert. Think about it this way. <clears throat> if the media won't report on what is blindingly and glaringly obviously a problem, with the story between Hunter and Joe, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, what else won't they report? What oh, exactly. else will they cover up when it comes to mail-in balloting or ballot fraud or anything like that, any kind of election fraud? How far is this game going to be played? How far is the media going to keep us in the dark and put its own lid on stories of critical importance, whether it has to do with the integrity of the election or the integrity of integrity in our political leaders. Just, just, just. I mean, they, they have shown us a whole lot for the last several years, but they've even shown us a whole lot more over the last two weeks. And yeah. if they can't do this easy story, which is served up with on-the-record sources, first-hand witnesses, email addresses, everything verifiable, if they won't 
take that bait, if they won't take that story, what are they going to do when it comes to slightly more complicated issues like fraud? Well, we're going to have to do it ourselves, Robert. That's why we're here. We'll do it ourselves. God bless you, sir. Have a great weekend. I'm Seth. We'll be right back.